0: I'm Karen Pennington, and I have another question for you this morning. When you were a child, what did you dream of being when you grew up? Now, I had a laundry list myself. Definitely had the doctor in there. Uh, Lawyer came up. Some for crazy reasons. I was a good student. I wanted to be a doctor because I knew how much money a doctor could make, and in my brain as an elementary student, I knew how much one specialist made, like a gynecologist, and then I knew how much like a surgeon made. So I'm like, oh, if I'm both, then I'll make twice as much. Somehow I would get paid two times over. And lawyer because I am good at arguing, I'll be honest. (laughs) Uh, And as I got older, I had dreams of being like a world famous preacher, missionary, You, you read about... Elizabeth Elliot and James Elliot and uh, Mother Teresa, and you go, oh, okay, that's it, that's it, glory for God, you know, win the world for God. And then I had dreams of being a professor and dreams of being like a famous teacher and speaker. And I st- I still have dreams, and honestly, some of them have happened. I have been able to do several other things i dreamed about i have been able to speak i love speaking i love talking i have been able to be in print to a certain degree through different articles and curriculum and seminars i have been able to oversee certain institutes and places where that help bring people closer to god and that had my name on them i'd love to see my name and I'm in the process of accomplishing one of my great dreams, which is to be a published author of a full book, and that'll be coming out in a couple of months. In a couple of months, couple of weeks actually, an anointed mess discovering the daily adventure of grace. So I have all these dreams, and I love dreams, and I think it's important to have dreams, and it's important to always lay them in front of God, and I. I'm just one of those people that believes to keep dreaming, keep thinking of possibilities because to be able to think of what's great in itself, that's a gift. And also, if you never dream, then none of your dreams, zero percent of your dreams will come true if you don't think about it. So I'm a really big reach for your dreams person. And at the same time, I also realize that sometimes the greatest things happen on the other side, those things that you're like, Nope, I'm I'm never going to do that. So I remember in high school, sitting in classes where there were substitute teachers and thinking, this is the worst job ever. They don't get the same authority base. They're getting paid nothing. They don't have a consistent job. Here's people that actually have college degrees and they can't get a job. I'm never going to do this. This is the worst thing ever. Well, guess what I'm doing right now. I i am a substitute teacher. I do it five days a week for an inner city school district. I wouldn't do it for a while because it actually was harder for me. I had to go through more hoops to be a substitute teacher than I did in a position where I was overseeing a six million dollar a year budget. I had more hoops, more, and it hurt my ego. And for a long time I sat Outside of that, and then I sort of did it because at the time I needed to, it was between jobs, and now I'm doing it by choice because I've started to realize how much I actually like it. The last thing in the world that I wanted to do, I actually like it. And I see the importance of it. That said, as I'm starting to think of what to put in the author biography for this book that's about to come out, Substitute teacher doesn't really make the list. I'm trying to think of all the important things I've done. you know, uh who have I spoken to? What have I written? Where have I been known? Where has my name been in print? And almost never do I think Karen Pennington has been a substitute teacher for the past four years, and I confess in my own pride i this was one of the things I didn't want to share in here because I um, well, it just doesn't seem impressive. And there's a thing in me who want, that wants to impress people. It doesn't seem impressive that I'm getting paid almost nothing, uh, basically minimum wage, to not have my own classroom, no benefits, and be somewhere where kids may see me for a day or two, or in this case, real long term, four weeks, classroom doesn't even have my name on it, you know? And yet, I found some joy in it. (laughs) found a lot of joy in it. It's actually, amazingly enough, been one of my favorite jobs that I've ever had. Anytime I've spoken, anytime I've had my name in print, some of those jobs actually brought a lot more pain than I realized. A lot more heartache, a lot more of a sense that this this really isn't what I'm supposed to be. They didn't really last very long. And then the substitute position, which... I want it as a temporary fix. Four years, and I still like it. And the thing is, I still I am appreciated, and I have this sense that I'm doing important work. Not important, you know, in the sense that it looks really great on a resume. But important in the sense that God's using me. And I have joy and I wake up every morning and know what I'm doing is needed and it makes a difference. And You know, it's funny, nowhere in the Bible does it say, make sure you conquer the world. It does say we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, but that's different. More than conquerors doesn't mean we have to take over the world. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, make sure you make the most money you can. Uh, make sure that you're important. Make sure that your resume is the most important thing in the world. You can't write a book unless you've done a zillion things and everybody knows your name. Now it's easier for people to read it. Nor does it say your book isn't good unless 5 million people read it. Your message isn't good unless 10 zillion people hear it. It actually gives us a very different perspective. And Philippians 2 five through eight it says that our attitude should be the same as christ who in the very nature of god did not consider equality god with god something to be grasped but instead he took the form of a servant he was like the original substitute teacher i guess and then i look at the miracles in the bible people know the names of the disciples some of us know all the names Most of us know the Peter, James, and John. And by the way, they didn't start out so important looking either. And their resumes were nowhere near as great as, say, Judas. But then there are these incredible, incredible miracles in the Bible. One of the biggest miracles that comes to mind for me is the feeding of the 5,000. Now, that's kind of wrong. It's not feeding of 5,000. It's the feeding of the 5,000 families. So really, it could have been the feeding of the fifteen to 20,000. This is an important enough miracle that it appears in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That doesn't happen very often. There are very few miracles that appear in all four Gospels. What does not appear is the name of the boy who gave... The five small barley loaves and two fish. His name never appears there. In fact, three of the four Gospels don't even mention that a little boy had one. There's only one Gospel. So unimportant in terms of resume is this boy that you don't even know he existed if it weren't for the book of John. Matthew 14, Mark 6, Luke 9 all talk about. So we have this. We have this bread, and only John even mentions this little boy is the one who gave the bread, the bread that fed 5,000. And Let's go back a little bit more. Who gave him that? I'm guessing he didn't make his own bread. That would have been a mom's job back then. So a mom whose name we'll never know made lunch for a boy whose name we ever know whose existence we're barely aware of. And because of that, because the boy was willing to share, we have one of the greatest, most known miracles in all time in history. The one important enough to make all four Gospels. So, I don't know what that boy dreamed of doing. Maybe he, like most people, he followed the footsteps of his father. Maybe he was very rich, maybe... We don't know. But who would have thought that perhaps, maybe, that one act of sharing his lunch was the most important thing he did in his entire life? Or the mom. Anything she may have tried to do for her kids, any accomplishments, any money she tried to make, any friends, any standing in her community, all that aside, what if... Making lunch for her child on that day, being a faithful mother, to make lunch for her child was the most important thing she ever did with her life. Not because she got credit. Not because she even knew what she was doing. Because a lot of times we're not aware. But because God took a simple act of obedience And turned it into a miracle for all the ages. And then we have 2 Kings 5. There's this guy Naaman. He was the ruler of the army for Aram, which would have been Israel's nemesis. But he was a strong guy. He was winning battles left and right. Everybody was afraid of this guy. They said he was a good man as far as a foreigner could be in the eyes of the Jews. And, but he also took spoils of war, including uh, slaves. So he took a slave, a girl, from Israel and made her a slave. So this girl is not only a poor Israelite, not only just a child, not only a girl, which back then would not have been seen as something powerful and, and not as someone with a voice, but she's a slave of the people that the Arameans had overtaken. And Naaman was about the picture of power and yet he had leprosy and nothing he could do could get rid of it, nothing he could see, nothing he could pay, nothing he could pray, no one he could speak to. And this, nothing servant, was the reason that he was healed. Nothing in this world could heal this gentleman. But a servant, being placed where God had put her, is what healed him. And then, of course, we have Jesus, who, being very nature of God, considered equality with God, nothing to be grasped, but instead made his form of a servant. He was a woodworker. And then after being a woodworker, he spent about three years as what we might consider a vagabond, speaking where he could, getting help where he could, Famous, sure, but he was kind of a drifter in the world's eyes. So, in light of that, being a substitute teacher still doesn't look real great on my resume. And yet, who knows, that one child in the inner city who's feeling displaced because the teacher, the one constant in his life or her life is gone, Maybe having someone who's willing to sit with them for a month or who's willing to come in and still be kind on a really bad day. Maybe that's not so unimportant after after all. You see, if we're where God wants us to be, custodian, drive-thru worker, doctor, lawyer, wherever, If we're where God wants us to be, and if we're moving forward in obedience, even if we don't think it's the best place in the world, if we can take that time and have that faith to say, all right, God, show me what you need me to do right here. This is a dark place. Show me how to be the light. And that's divine appointment. And what's more important than being where God wants you to be? And who knows? Maybe you're going to do great worldly things. Maybe I'm going to be a best-selling author. That would be awesome. Maybe I'm going to get to speak and have a bigger audience. But right now, with COVID, my audience is six at a time, eight at a time, nine at a time, for a few days at a time. And I don't get to say everything that I want to say. I don't get to talk the way I talk to you. But maybe just the kindness, maybe that's the most important thing I'll ever do. Lord Jesus, forgive us. Forgive me for my pride. Forgive me for devaluing the servant roles in this world and for devaluing how you can use them, Lord Jesus. You've chosen the foolish things of this world to shame the wise, as your word in 1 Corinthians says. And even as I speak this, I'm feeling conviction, God. I ask today for, your, for just a sense of your holy presence with me as I go and become live the gospel in a place where I'm not allowed to preach it. Make me a light in this darkness, God, and help me to understand that if that's where you call me, then it's important. And it doesn't matter who knows. Oh, Jesus, I thank you for the mother of the boy who brought the loaves. I thank you for the servant girl who will never be named. I thank you for becoming nothing so that we could have everything. May we just live according to this example. In your name, amen. Be blessed, my friends.